1: And a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests all in the course of an hour for this Tuesday, the 21st of June. Well, joining me in studio, Francesco De Stratis from Ord Minette and Mark Moreland from Team Invest. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. The question of the, the I was going to say the day, week, month, hour is, uh, are we nearing a bottom in terms of the selling we've seen?
0: Definitely closer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, we know that interest rates are going to continue to rise. I mean, we've heard all the the talk and the jawboning from various central banks, so we know interest rates are going to rise. I think what we're seeing at the moment is a transitional phase in the markets where um, there's a lot of asset reallocation happening. Um, Interest rates have been very low for quite a period of time. Inflation has been low for quite some time. Um, And I think most investment managers and portfolios have been fairly overweight equities and reap the rewards from that as well. Um, Obviously with rates rising, they're starting to see some some adjustments to their weightings and I think that's what we're seeing at the moment with the market sell-off. Obviously um, returns in bonds are going to be improving over time. Um, So um, look, the fundamentals behind equities, earnings are still fairly sound at this stage. Um, you know, the threat of recession is probably a little bit of a concern for analysts and, and their earnings forecast. But uh, at the moment, you know, the market looks fair value to, to relatively cheap.
1: Yeah, well, we'll get into perhaps where some of those opportunities lie. But when you think about it, this is a repricing of risk assets yeah. rather than some major
2: mm-hmm.
1: major capitulation of regime change. No.
2: And this has been uh, absolutely predictable you know, right through. There's no, everybody's been predicting it, <laughs> so, which is unusual. So you know, we haven't had that argument where you have a top, where prices go crazy and everybody, um, you know, the taxi drivers are giving you advice on stocks, we haven't really had that. But because of low interest rates, um, PE ratios have been expanding for years now. And all, the, all that's happened so far is we've had some moderation in that. And re, you know, when you look at relative values, well it's 20% cheaper say, on average than it was um, um, a couple of months ago. It's still not cheap. So, depending on what interest rates do, if interest rates do go up significantly more than the risk-free rates going up, that's going to bring PEs down because you know the the differential between what you're going to earn on the company versus cash is mm-hmm. going to diminish. So, who knows what that'll be? Uh, I don't think interest rates will go up that much more. I think they'll they'll stop because um, there'll be so much of an impact on the economy that it'll slow us down, and we may well end up in a recession, which would be a good thing, I think.
1: Why a good thing?
2: Well, because I mean, it, it, recessions help clean out some of the what, yeah, if you look at what happened in uh covid and even before in the gfc uh the the, the banks fed the central bank saved all these business really zombie companies and they're still there so there's actually a bit of clean out would be good because capital gets reallocated the bad businesses go broke their assets get bought up by the good businesses and we're back to the races more efficient allocation yeah, exactly, exactly there
1: you go now let's get across the companies that we'll be talking about over the next half hour or so hub 24 chalice mining points bet james hardy and the reject shop. But first, to our stock of the day, Grain Corp. reaffirming its full-year guidance at its investor day presentation. It expects a 90% increase on the previous period. So I believe that's earnings. The company says it reflects its highest, its highly efficient supply chain execution and strong global demand for Australian grain, oil seeds, and vegetable oils so it expects that capex will be above its target range but that will be used to support its storage capacity increases through to 2023 so what do our experts think francesco I'll start with you grain corp has been such a solid performer and transparent to the market over the past while it's part of this whole inflationary story uh, in terms of prices and food demand
0: yeah look uh, grain corp is is i suppose a bit like a, a broker in um um, they benefit from the, the volumes of, of, of agricultural products and uh, um, yeah, they've, they've experienced very good seasons over the last couple of years. Um, so I, look, I do like the fundamentals behind the agricultural sector. It's difficult to get uh, really good exposure in our market, surprisingly, um, um, in, to, to this sector. Uh, but you throw in there the good harvest, but also uh, increase uh, prices on their commodity, you know, the soft commodities um, most of that driven by the conflict in the Ukraine and, and Russia. So, so they're in a, a bit of a sweet spot at the moment. Um, the share price has performed significantly well over the last two years, well outperforming the, the underlying index. So, um, look, I, I, I think it's probably performed to its um, to its earnings, and I know I'd, I'd say it's a hold. We don't have formal coverage of it. Um, I do like the theme, but look, the price is you know, risen significantly, and I think, uh, you know, you know, the value, consensus valuations on the stock are around where it's trading, so I'm happy to hold it.
1: Thank you. What about you, Mark? Grain Corp.
2: Um, it's, the, the whole agricultural area is actually very difficult in Australia. If you look at the history, it's been very hard to make money. Yeah, we've looked at uh, a few things like uh, Tessel and others over over the time, but, Often, they, what these groups do is they, they're a bit like a commodity, they're a commodity business, effectively. And because the grain prices are up and we've got the Ukraine war at the moment, the share prices bounce right back. But if you look at their performance over the years, it's actually pretty, pretty, pretty terrible. And it's lost money the last three years. And it may make a profit this year. But when you're investing, unless you're speculating and trying to make a quick buck, you know we look at a five year horizon. And yeah, how do you predict where it's going to be in five years? The Ukraine thing could wind down in three months or six months, and then the grain shortage. Largely vanishes. Point I'm making is you're paying at the very high range of its uh, its PE uh, for because we've had a big spike in uh, com- the commodity prices, which yeah, may be short-lived. So as a as a business, long-term we're showing it returning uh, negative about 15% a year based on its long-term history. So uh, and then they're spending more on capital. Great, you know so. So to be no no interest to us at all. Team be a best.
1: Would you sell it if you had it? And you'd be uh, yes, I would.
2: I would. I would. I would take advantage of the um, the uh, high the high record P at the moment.
1: There you go. That's the stock of the day. Grand Corp, one sell and one hold. So again, just remember that this is not personal financial advice. This is information only. Let's get to the first stock of the day picked by you. This is for Jack. Hey, Jack. Hub Twenty Four is on the list. Look, Hub Twenty Four did have a few brokers cut its price target last week but still a lot of brokers very positive on hub 24 into the future um, what do you think Francesco
0: yeah look we're very, we're very positive on hub 24 mainly um, look it, it trades on a pretty high PE I mean it you know some people might consider it a tech stock but to me it's it's more of a financial services company that uses technology very well um, so so on a, on a fairly high multiple but the earnings growth out of it is is quite considerable. We see uh, going in, into the next sort of three to five years. Um, we have a buy recommendation on it. Um, you yeah, know, there is a bit of market volatility going on at the moment, so obviously that's going to impact upon uh, how they can charge for their uh, for their services. Um, but um, we see them gaining market share as well. So um, we think that'll. You know, the market volatility made up by um, some of the market share gains as well. So uh, we think they're um, you know, pretty good at what they do, um, and they're getting new new money on board uh, month on month. So uh, we've got a buy recommendation on it. Yeah. Don't expect too much on the dividend yield side of things. It is considered to be a growth story.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, it had its investor day recently. I think it was last week. So f- funds under administration that between 83 and 92 billion, it's expecting in two years, and it continues to integrate some acquisitions. So, is this a business with a long-term view, say, a five-year horizon that you like a team invest that would uh, bring you capital appreciation?
2: Uh, possibly. Um, it actually, it's not bad on the uh, its fundamentals. The PE at the moment is about 47 times, which you know that's actually, by the way, for them, is about a 50% drop on where it was. They were about 100 PE. <laughs> Uh, now their growth rate is running at about 20%. Uh, that's been the last. That's our uh, uh, six-year growth rate, so which is pretty good, and it may even may even increase. So at least the high P is supported by a high growth rate. Um, it doesn't pass on our return on equity and return on uh, capital. They're both below 10%. So it sort of fails on that. And the other thing it fails on for us is stability. Uh, it's only a 38% stability um, of EPS growth going forward. So it's not. Um, it's not. It's not bad. It's a good. I think it's quite a good business. And they and Francesco is probably right. They probably will grow faster. Yeah, you know, and may give you a good return. But what you're relying on is what the terminal PE is going to be when, if you ever want to sell it. So, in the, the 47 PE is still right up there, particularly in this environment. And 100 was ridiculous. So I, I, for me, it's still too high. I think if it was at 30, maybe. <laughs> I could. I could consider it.
1: If you had it, would you hold it? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Say. It's I'll a hold. call
1: that a hold. All right, let's go to number two on the list. This is Chalice Mining, and this is for Kane. C H N is the ticker code here. Look, Chalice Mining, uh, its share price at least has uh, come under a bit of pressure as of late. Um, look where, and you've got to have a view sort of on where uh, demand for its. Products and its minerals will land. What What's your view on Chalice Francesco?
0: Look, this is speculative. Uh, obviously, um, you know they're exploring uh, for, uh, I think it's platinum and nickel and copper. Um, their Their reserve is is. About seventy kilometres from WA, so it's you know relatively close from, to ports. From Perth. Sorry, from Perth. Yeah, yeah and, and that's what a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big area. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people sort yeah. of say
1: that this is the first kind of discovery. It's very unusual to have a discovery of the type of its palladium and paladin. I think. Yeah. Um, you know that um, palladium. I should say that uh, you know that is that close to sort of a major centre.
0: Yeah, and 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 that, hence why we call it speculative because you know they're, they're still exploring. Um, you know, there's a lot of water to go on the bridge before they start earning uh, income. So, you know, they've got to explore more, drill more holes and prove up the resource. Once they've proven it, they have to go through approvals processes. Uh, and then they've got to do all the capex to, to, to build the operations and uh, before they even start digging anything out and, um, and, and selling it to the market. So there's a lot of risks involved in it. Our, our analyst has got a speculative buy on it, um, mainly because he sees uh, the share price at the moment. Uh, undervaluing what they've proven already in the ground, um, but there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge. So, look, speculative buy, um, but you know, from a long-term investor point of view, you you wouldn't put much into it um, um, because uh, you know because of the risks in it, involved in it.
1: And I know you guys don't like miners at Team Invest.
2: Well, there's miners and there are miners. Okay. Yeah. At least, at least, at least, if a miner is a profitable business, you know, like say Fortescue or something, you know, there's an argument. You still have a commodity risk in pricing power. But these guys, as Francesco said, are, are, it's a straight speculation. And we've, if you look at the history of mining speculation in Australia, it's burned an enormous amount of uh, uh, capital. In fact, a guy who I know who is quite, quite famous in the gold industry said that the gold industry in Australia has been a net loser in that there's more money has gone into gold I miners so. than it's ever come out in gold. Hmm. So in other words, it's a net loser, uh, lo- losing industry, which is not a good start. So the problem, and as Francesco pointed out, is the ch- going from having a resource that's proven up and turning that into a profitable business with all the capex, the management, Yeah, can the management do that? The odds are against it. So, and the, and the, look, the commodity, might,
0: underlying commodity price will change throughout yeah, those yeah. years that yeah. they're still drilling it. Yeah. Um, and whether it remains important or there's another commodity that becomes discovered that can replace it. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors involved.
2: But, yeah. So um, from our point of view, we wouldn't, we're not interested because yeah. we're not speculators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't mean speculators are bad.
0: No, <laughs> thanks, Mark. We're not bad people. Thanks, all
1: kinds. Why are you looking at him? Are you doing do something about you? Oh, oh no. no. We, yeah. we,
0: we, we like to dip our toe into both uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, okay. all right. Okay. Uh, look,
1: let's <laughs> uh, look, let's get to points bet. This is for Greg, wondering what the experts think about points bet holdings. Uh, look, it had a big capital injection yesterday coming through. That did good things for its share price yesterday. But again, this is a business that is fighting for market share. Uh, how well placed do you think it is, Francesco?
0: Yeah, look, um, the share price has really underperformed um, the market in rec- over the last 12, 18 months. Yeah, well, there's twelve months chart. Look at that. Um, and uh, look again, you know, I would say this is speculative. There's a lot of a um, lot of approvals processes they have to go through to be able to operate in certain jurisdictions. Um, there's a lot of competition in the betting areas. Um, so, so. Yeah, look, we've got a hold on it. Um, you yeah, know, our guy's got a valuation of about 320. but I wouldn't get too excited about where it's trading and the valuation. Look, it's, it's a still a long way off profit. So I looked at our analysts' forecasts, and over the next three to four years, they're still, you know, burning cash. Um, so I, I, would, I would probably avoid it. Um, look, you know, Susquehanna's taken a 12.8% stake. That's probably given the market a bit of confidence. Um, if you look at that chart again, um, you know the, the share price has risen well over ten or fifteen percent over the last couple of days, uh, but it doesn't even ref- show up as a bump on that on that twelve month chart. So, still a long way to go for um, you know certain shareholders. But um, look, it, it's in it's in really good markets in, in the US, obviously, but um, again, competition's going to be difficult. So hold, we have. Okay.
1: Uh, oh, I thought you said avoid. So it's a whole Well, if I personally would
0: avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> avoid uh, yeah. It. yeah. Ord's, Ord's recommendation mm-hmm. is hold, but you know, I'd probably look elsewhere. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't look at it, but it's it's another specy one as well. But one thing it does have in, in on the plus side, is their sales are actually growing quite strongly. Uh, but at the same time, their sales are growing strongly, their earnings are getting are going down faster. So as they're adding in as they're adding revenue, they're losing money at a faster rate. It's not a good, not a good combination. Yeah. yeah, You want to see it going the other way: sales going up and then, yeah, losses reducing yeah. as the sales go up. So, yeah. this is a, as Francisca said, it's a long way away from yeah. uh, potentially making any money. So the, the,
0: these gaming companies need to spend yeah. a lot of money mm-hmm. to acquire new new customers on board. You know, I mean, you only got to turn the TV on here in Australia, and you know, if you're watching a game of football, every second ads a yeah. some sort of betting agency ad. Um, and there's, there's a lot of money involved in acquiring a new um, customer, yep. um, and whether you're going to extract that sort of value out of them is questionable. So it's Especially a, in a market like It's the a States. difficult environment. I mean, it's a yeah. new
1: frontier, sports yeah. betting in and this it, way in the States, but still.
0: That's right. And anytime you have some form of differentiation, um, you know, your competitors catch up pretty quickly. It's, it's not that hard to, to you know, the barriers to entry and barriers to differentiate aren't that
1: high. Okay. That's an avoid for bet Mm -hmm. for you as well. It's one of those companies that does get beat up when we have these volatile bouts, particularly in the tech space as well. Well, we are soaring right through these. Let's get to James Hardy. So this is for Hank, who asks, if James Hardy still stands as the sector pick, even still... Is it a buy? So that's going on the premise that uh, you would have picked James Hardy out of the <laughs> sector. Uh, what's your view on James Hardy? Um, you know, it's got exposure to the U.S. housing market. It, uh, you know, it's done quite well yeah. during this period.
2: Well, I mean, this is the James Hardy is a, uh, a serious business. Um, so this is not now. We're now not, we're out of specy category now. so We're now <laughs> talking about a proper business. Um, they their PE is actually in the bottom quartile. So it's actually down at. Uh, 21, which for them is pretty low. It's bottom quartile of its range. Top quartile is over over 37. So that yeah, that's that's good. Uh, we're showing it returning on our default metrics about 20% a year at this level. Now that's assuming they can continue doing what they're doing at the moment. So if they keep this trend going, uh, they've got a bit of a tail. They've got a tailwind, I'd argue in the US particularly on building materials. But prices are going up very fast. There's a massive amount of inflation in their industry. Now if they can convert that, that actually could be an opportunity for them, depending on how they manage their business. Uh, if they can capitalise on that, then they may even improve their profitability. But it's, it's, we're getting into more complex times. There's going to be a lot of insolvency, uh, you can guarantee, in the building area. So whether they have much li- uh, much credit risk and so on, I don't know. Uh, margin of safety, we're looking at about 9% a year, which is, is pretty good. You know, so anything around 9 or 10, uh, usually you get a good result. But it's a $13 billion company. Uh, EPS growth rates averaging average 13% over the last six years, which is good. Um, Yeah, I'd say it's it's a buy. It's a buy. Not something we've looked at in detail, but it it, For I've the purposes
1: start, of this program, it it's a buy. Yeah. Um, you know, it does a lot.
2: Of, you don't um, get many buys out of me. No, so I
1: yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's If I had she my red it down pen, very quickly, yeah, yeah.
2: Mark. <laughs>
1: Um But yeah, you know, the brokers, you know, love it. Morgan Stanley's yeah. overweight. Macquarie's outperformed. City buy. UBS buy. Credit Suisse is a neutral. I suppose there are some concerns about rising interest rates in the U.S., but the cost of goods inflation in the construction. Uh, industry, lumber, for example, has come off and it's got exposure to renovations as well. So, um, margins potentially still under pressure for a while, but I will also say Ord Minette has recently upgraded it
0: to a buy. To a buy. Very good. There's two buys there.
1: There's two buys. Look,
0: we are seeing signs though of, of a slowdown in housing starts in the US. So, So, that's one sort of concern. But the, I suppose, from a long-term investor's perspective, the question is: Is it going to be a hard landing or a soft landing? For uh, and our analysts are s- s- suggesting that it's probably going to be a soft landing in the US on the on the housing side of things. Um, the recent sell-off, um, you know, we think that's been overdone, as Mark highlighted on the PEs where they've moved to. Um, you know, makes it much more attractive in that respect. Mm. Um, look, James Hardy is one of those stocks that. Um, you, know, you, you go back sort of a number of years and they've, they've messed up a few times and the, the share price just tends to you know, bounce back from, yeah. from any negativity. Um, so so uh, look, I, I think there's, there's opportunities there definitely. Um, you know, we think there's good growth prospects and you know, mid-teens uh, EPS growth as Mark suggested is similar to what our analysts are suggesting as well. Um, there, are, there are risks. Uh, around it, you know, execution risk of, of various businesses that they own, but um, yeah, they've been successful on those in the past. Um, so, look, uh, we think it's a buy. Uh, there was one other point I wanted to make. The yield. Uh, the yield's not that attractive. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously a U.S. dominated earnings, so you're not going to get any franking credits out of it. But look, I, I think with if you look at a long-term chart of James Hardy, you're not in it for the dividend yield. You're in it for the growth side of things. Um, yeah, well, you're looking at about three to three to four percent yield out of it. Yeah, where well, you can achieve better out of things, other things in the marketplace at the moment. But um, yeah, you're not in it, in it for that. Um, oh, inflation. You know, inflation in the building material sector. You know, James Hardy is probably one company that you would be able to say that they actually have a bit of pricing power. Yeah. So you know, you know, they probably benefit from the inflation side of
2: things as well.
1: Mm. And management is also cutting costs as well, so we'll see yeah. how that goes. So yeah. bye bye for James Hardy. There you go, Hank. Not, a, not
2: an excited bye bye, just a just, just a subdued bye. It. Yeah. It's a team invest bye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, the last on the list before we uh, round up what we've learned so far. And this is the reject shop for LTRS, wanting some thoughts on the company after its latest update. Yeah, there was a day. Uh, last week when it announced that it would be getting a new CEO updated the market and the share price went uh, well ran really hard on the day I'm just trying to remember what the update was but it resulted in a bunch of brokers sort of reviewing so yeah it reiterated its guidance and also that's right talked about a potential buyback coming through hmm. what do you think of the reject shop
0: yeah look um look our formal recommendations hold but yeah look I wouldn't um I wouldn't be there. Look, the performance of it, you know, trades on about 27 times for this year and 20 times for next. So they've got a bit of earnings growth there, which is quite significant. But, um, you know, to me, that's still quite expensive for this type of stock. Um, You know, they're facing quite a few challenges at the moment. Cost of goods sold, obviously, with with inflation. Um, You know, logistics issues, higher freight costs. Uh, higher wage costs we've seen you know the, the, the new government um, increase minimum wage and most of your staff probably in the reject shop particularly customer facing are on the uh, at, at that level at that end of the spectrum as well. Um, there's two been, been two recent senior appointments, CEO and COO, i would like to see them get their feet under the desk a bit more than before I'd sort of put a bit of confidence in it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, apparently they've had a fair bit of oversupply, overstocked as well. So, you know, that all sort of points the direction of a negative for me. So, uh, you know, whilst we have a hold, there's no dividend yield expected over the next three years either. So whilst we have a hold, I'd probably say avoid.
1: And I suppose by the very nature of this business, it operates on small margins. It's low cost of goods. That's the selling point with yep. the reject shop. So how will it, you know, offset some of those rising input costs, including, importantly, our labor.
2: That's right. Uh, from, from a team invest perspective, we used to like retail shop years ago, yeah, way, way back, way back. And then it was very disappointing. They made some big management mistakes where they admitted they bought the wrong stock and then I mean, it was just you know, like mistake after mistake. And their net profit margin is 1.2%. 1.2%. We're in an inflationary environment now, um, which means that when you've got that fine a margin, you, you make even slight errors in the way you do your stock and control. It's very easy to lose money. So if you look at the history of, uh, re- or just, just, I was going to compare it to AX1 or, yeah, which has got a net profit margin 8%. Compared yeah, to what? AX1. Accent AX- AX- yep. Group. Quality retailer. Yeah. So there's quality retailers and there's crappy retailers. This is at the bottom of the crappy heap. Now the new management might turn it around, but if you look at the returns for shareholders over the last decade, it's woeful. You, know, you, you basically just lost money.
0: And at that end of the market, they wouldn't have a lot of pricing power either. No. You know, so you know. Whereas someone like a Woolies or Coles has a fair bit of pricing power in yeah. their in their products, so you know if they experience a bit of inflation at the cost base, they can push their prices higher, yeah. um, and not expect to feel too much of a pinch. Whereas the reject shop, people are going there because they, they want to buy those you know discounted goods, mm-hmm. um, so they don't have that much pricing power either.
2: Great yeah. place to and go. I think the other thing to look at is return on equity, and theirs is seven uh, percent. Which is, way, is below our ten, and that's like a speed limit on a business anyway in the long term. So on a comparable PE ratio, they can't pay, they can't do a better return than what their re- um, sorry, the return on equity is. Um, I, I wouldn't go near it. So we're showing negative twenty-five percent a year return if you buy it at the current price.
1: Um, this whole conundrum about the consumer, about inflation expectations, about rising interest rates—like—is the retail space in general just too hard basket for you, Francesco?
0: Oh. No, not really. I mean, obviously the the, the grocers, I mean, they're uh, fairly somewhat recessionary proof businesses. Um, you still got to buy your groceries every day. Obviously you might sort of, you know, if you're feeling the pinch with interest rates and and other costs of, you know, electricity and fuel and things like that, you might sort of uh, take your selection process down a couple of notches. Um, But uh, yeah, look, I, I don't mind, you know, Woolies and Coles have been, you know, sold off a little bit and they're looking reasonably attractive for longer term investors. Um, yeah, we've, we've seen, particularly during COVID, things like JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman do extremely well. Mm. Part of that was because uh, the government was handing out money um, and people were working from home, so they had to upgrade things like laptops and monitors and, and and other people were just sitting at home, so they updated their game consoles and things like that. So they, they really benefited from that. Uh, the, the last budget, uh, which is only recent, that we saw things like... Um, you know the the small business uh, tax deductions be extended, um, so so that works along with electronics as well. So and, and it was a bit of a handout to the medium uh, at, and low income earners. So 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 they they work for um, the retailer. So I don't mind those spaces, but the risk is that um, once once you see that that cash dry up because of higher interest rates, um, and, and, and higher inflation that. Yeah, the discretionary spender will suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and but that's further down of, the track, I think.
1: You think of Adair's, you think of all those real COVID beneficiaries. What's yeah. your view? Yeah. Uh, because you uh, no, no, I, I agree. Well,
2: we, know, we like retail and yeah. uh, AX1, Nick Gali, JB Hi-Fi are all team of companies. Um, you have, what, we, what we do is, they all had, all the good operators had a good COVID. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point. So they actually took advantage of the opportunities presented and actually did it really well. What you have to do is normalise the earnings. So you've got to take off the the spike they had on COVID and bring it back to what they were before and then you question well how much have they brought sales forward so are they going to actually go down a bit on what they were before and that would be prudent probably to say that and we also have in this environment now with inflation picking up and so on I don't think that'll hurt them I think the good operators can pass it through pretty well Uh, it's more there could be some labor cost inflation and the other thing is that they Have to manage their stock more carefully, but the good operators are good operators. So I I have confidence in the management to be able to deal with that. Uh, Their prices have come down a fair bit, though. Yeah. So they spiked up over COVID. So the Mm -hmm. market—this is the rationality of the market. The prices crashed about 80 percent, then went back higher than they were before COVID, while we were in COVID. So uh, I mean, who could have predicted it? I could, anyway. (laughs) And then now they've come significantly down, and they're quite good uh, buying the good retailers at the moment, and they're also on uh, reversion to mean PEs. And so the re- retail industry in Australia are typically on PEs of, you know, 10, 12-ish, which is what they were 10 years ago. Mm. Whereas nearly everything else has been, we've had inflated PEs because of low, low low interest rates and so on. So the, I think, I think retail is a fairly safe area to be, in. you should be a bit careful that you don't overestimate what the earnings growth is going to be.
1: So JB Hi5, for example, now you mentioned it's come well off its highs. Yeah, actually
2: Would be yeah.
1: a, a a yeah, g-
2: absolutely. I bought some JB Half fi recently okay. in the last couple of weeks.
1: Got it. Thank yeah. you. All right, uh, let's get a little bit of a wrap up of mm. uh, what's come so far in this program and Grain Corp. It is the stock of the day, reaffirming guidance, but it's nothing but a hold for for Francesco Destratus. and Mark has it as a sell. He just uh, doesn't like it, it's cyclical. And uh, any spike that we're seeing from commodity prices now, he says, could be very short-lived. Hub 24, I think it's too expensive when it comes to Mark Moreland. Um, the fundamentals look good, but it's just a hold for him. It's a buy, though, when it comes to Francesco and the team at Ordmanet. Uh, high P.E., but very positive on the business and its potential to earn and grow its customer base going forward. Chalice Mining, it's a specy buy for the team at Ordmanet. Francesco says, look, you... Uh, uh, you just have to be uh, careful uh, if you're a long term investor in how much you allocate to any of these speculative explorers in the mining space. But uh, the team at Ordmanet says that the, really the price is undervaluing what's already in the ground that they know that they have. It's an avoid for team invest. Points bet is an avoid for team invest. It's an avoid for Francesco personally. It's a hold at Ordmanet. It's still burning cash. That's not what he likes to see when it comes to investing. And Mark points out that, you know, its earnings are well, its losses are increasing even as its sales go up. So that's not the equation that makes him get excited about a company. But then we got to, in Mark's words, a real company, which is James Hardy. And (laughs) lo and behold, we have a buy coming from Mark Moreland at Team Invest. Also, Francesco Distratus at Ordmanet. Really, there seems to be a bit of faith in the ability of management to negotiate anything that's coming its way in terms of input costs. And, uh, yeah, houses are still being built, and they will still be built, and perhaps some of the pressures on builders will result in even less competition for the likes of James Hardy. Reject shop, it's an avoid for both of my guests. But, uh, look, Francesco is liking Kohl's and Woolworths at these levels. And, um, yeah, you heard Mark and his view on some of the other retailers. He just bought some... some, JB Hi-Fi recently. So there you go. That's the halfway mark. Uh, all of the companies that are reviewed on this program and get two buys are put in front of the investment committee. You can watch that online at ausbiz.com.au. And the portfolio is looking like this. So we've actually gone a little over in the number of companies that we've gotten this high conviction fund. So I'm going to have to correct that at the next investment committee meeting. But we've got West Farmers Elders. Resmed, And we shifted around some allocation uh, the last time we met. So, yeah, we'll have another look. Uh, We've had some news out since then. Um, Universal Stores comes to mind, a bit of a downgrade coming through. And, uh, yeah, so there's lots to discuss at that next meeting of the Investment Committee and also, clearly, James Hardy from this episode of The Call. All right, coming up in the next half hour, we'll be talking about Regis Healthcare for Will, Austell for Mikey, Sandfire Resources for Candice, Insight Tech Pivot, as well as Lindsay Australia, so in the smaller end of the market as well. Let's get going, shall we? We've got Regis Healthcare. This is for Will. No context around this one, gentlemen, but I will start with you, Mark, on Regis.
2: Okay. Um, Regis, um, I was just looking at it. From our point of view, it's a triple red which means like three red lights, it's not good. Uh, it's on a peer at the moment of about uh, 53. We've got is
0: 66. 66, <laughs> right, you can 66 yeah. yeah,
2: 53 trailing. Yeah. And, that, and that is on the absolute top end of its peer range. In other words, it, at the moment, the market is paying the most they've ever paid on it from a multiple on-earnings of Regis. However, their earnings are, have been declining at 21% a year. So their earnings have been, since 2015, it's been a non-stop downward slope. Sales have been going up slowly, so sales growth about 8%. Earnings have been going down, so it's that, you know, uh, 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 earnings going down, sales going up, not spectacularly, so therefore we're showing it losing currently about 28% a year. In other words, this, this is not investment worthy at all. They've got 108% debt to equity, so they've got a high level of debt as well. Other metrics are okay, but the big problem is they just, not make, they just don't make any money. So this is in um, uh, retirement villages and a whole range of services for... The elderly and um, mm-hmm. and so on which yeah I mean, that's that's it should be a profitable area don't you think francesco um yes
0: yes <laughs> you'd think so um but I, I look i think their earnings are very inconsistent too i mean you know, mark mentioned the pe being so high and you know 66 54 who cares and so for a business like this you wouldn't expect it to be up at those levels um but we've got a pe on uh, at, for next year of 14.1 so they to make and, lots of money next year. Yeah, right? yeah, and then and then it bounces back up to seventeen point two. So the earnings drop off again. So to me, that that means your earnings profile is all over the shop. But to me, for a business like this, which is residential aged care, should be reliable. Sh- yeah, you'd think it'd be reliable and fairly predictable and, and consistent. Um, so that that scares me a bit. Um, so I look, we, we're, our analyst has a hold on it, and the yield, for instance, you know, one point eight percent for FY twenty two. Then it jumps up to 7.1 percent uh, for 23 at 100 percent franking. Well, yeah. why is the yield so inconsistent as well? You know, and, and obviously the the earnings change changes quite a bit. But yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency. Aranda's got a hold, but for me, uh, I don't, you know, there's other places you can go in the healthcare space that you can get a bit more consistency and a bit more predictability. I think. Like where. Oh, look, you know, CSL, to me, looks oh. like good value at the moment. Fisher to, Michael. Well, no, I'm not a fan of Fisher no. Michael. Okay. But Fisher Michael yeah, here as well, yeah. <coughs> um, ResMed's always been a good one for me, um, mm. you know, and both of those stocks have come back quite a bit uh, in recent times. Sonic looks like pretty yep. good value. Yep. Um, I think they're being... Sonic's price has been thrown around a fair bit because of the COVID. A lot of people anticipated that when COVID finished that their earnings would drop off a bit because, you know, they've been doing a lot of Testing. But you've got to remember that a lot of the testing that they used to do prior prior to that had dropped off as well because of, you know, non-elective surgeries and things like that. So (coughs) we think their earnings will be a little bit more consistent than the market thinks.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So we got a couple of uh, potential recommendations from Francesco in that healthcare space. But go on with Regis Healthcare. So you've got flashing red, three flashing reds. It's just a (laughs) no-go zone.
2: Well, zero interest in it. And we're showing... Forecast based on our conscious investor is tw- minus 28% per year. So that, what well, that's, we. So if you buy it at today's price, you're going to make a. You're going to prog- progressively lose lots of money in, in the way it looks. Mm-hmm. And when Francesco talked about the issue of predictability, uh, if you've got a history of, of uh, very of poor predictability, uh, why would you assume it's suddenly going to get good? Yeah. You know, so that's the way we look at it. And if you don't, if you ha- if you can have some confidence in what the earnings are going to be or the growth, you can then work out what your return will be at a reasonable PE. This is also on a ridiculous PE. So I would definitely be a sell.
1: Okay, and do you agree with the Sonic? You clearly prefer Fisher & Paykel even over Resmet?
2: Fisher & Paykel, CSL, absolute quality businesses. They've come back quite a bit. They're actually quite good. They're quite good value at the moment. Doesn't mean they won't get cheaper in this route, but they're they're pretty good value now.
1: Okay, got it. Thank you guys. Let's get to Austell for Mikey. Uh, Austell is one of those companies that uh, you know gets talked about when there are geopolitical tensions. Mm. Will it be a beneficiary? I know, just going from years of talking about it, it also operates on some pretty slim margins at times, as it works with defense uh, departments, you know, to get the the yeah. best deal possible for yeah. some of its uh, its uh, shipbuilding capacity. But then again, you know, there are some other areas of the market that it does um, work in. So, uh, does does this company look set to you, Mark, to be able to deliver uh, and get those big contracts needed to to lead to capital appreciation?
2: Um, it's, we have looked at it in the past. It has passed our first line filters. Sometimes uh, we've never got really excited about it, mainly because of the lumpiness of the business. But they do have. I think they're, I think they're manufacturing or well, building ships now in three or four countries, even. So it's it's quite diversified, and they've got. They're doing these literal ships, so they're, they're doing like, cruises, uh, sorry, patrol boats and stuff. It's fairly diversified, you know, they've got multiple clients, I've read that they, I think they do, they're making, um, they're, they're, they're supplying ships to some small European countries, and you know, all, all over the place, plus the Americans of course. Um, look, the numbers don't look bad, uh, it's actually on a P at of 8.9, and its EPS growth rate has actually been quite strong over the last few years. They had a big hit in 2015. Which I think it was a major mm-hmm. ship they were building, which ended up blowing out massively. It was a, um, I think it was like a Packer-type ship, type thing, like, and um, they lost a lot of money. Since then, they've, they've done quite well. So earnings have been growing, um, debts, uh, debt, and so on is not bad. Uh, return on equity is okay. So look, it passes all our filters apart from stability, where it's just 0.1 of a percent off our minimum. So that's not that's not here nor there. So we're showing it returning. a year on our margin of safety numbers, which is super conservative, uh, and a much higher return on our default. So because it's cheap and it's got earnings growth and so on, it actually looks a lot better than most of the companies we've looked at today. So I'd say um, I'm gonna be generous here from our point of view and say it's a buy.
1: It's a buy. That's no no one's buying it in
2: Team Invest that I know of because yep. we're not looking at it. But it, but it, it actually, it's a reasonable argument.
1: Well, if you if you live by your filters, yes. then you have to live by your filters, <laughs> that's right? That's right. So if your filters say well, It, doesn't, so it doesn't, buy, doesn't quite
2: pass on the it, uh, stability. Stability. It's, okay, stability. it's close. Okay, stability. Okay. It's close enough All that I'm right. trying well, this, to be generous.
1: Okay, well, this is... A, what, do I inspire your generosity? You do, you do. Oh, wonderful. Thanks, Mark. Um, Francesco, yeah. it's one of those companies It's always either winning contracts or losing contracts. And I guess yeah. it depends on the extent of the wins versus losses.
0: Yeah, and look, they haven't achieved the contract wins that they thought they might have over the years. So so that, that's been a bit of a laggard for them. They're in the process of transitioning um, their US shipyard from aluminium to steel building. Now, they haven't had much experience in building steel vessels for the US Navy, so you've got to question how many contracts they can win out of that as well. Um, on the earnings side of things, we've got earnings declining over the next sort of three years. Only gradual, but a slight decline. Mainly because of, you know... Their experience in the steel ship building um, and you know, previous years they haven't achieved the contract wins that they said they might have. So um, yeah, look, we got a hold on it, and I'm probably being a bit harsh on it. But to me, that those sort of fundamental, you know, metrics and um, the subjectivity behind what the analyst has written on that, um, to me, says well, you don't need to be there. Okay.
1: And uh, also we've got labour costs and supply chain issues and everything that could... impact. Well, that's them. true.
2: You're making, you're making me change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's, that's true, but you've got and to remember... We they haven't moved on are, yet. Yeah, change my mind. Okay, but they, sure. they do
0: operate out of oh. numerous jurisdictions yeah. as well, so, yeah, you know, right. the, 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 the wage pr- mm. pressures may not be the same in the US as they yeah. are here, so, so to yeah. speak, because they operate under different different mm. labour conditions.
2: And I think just on that too, the, the filters for us are our first line. And then once you get once we go from there, if if a, if members want to do work on the business, we then look at the detail and you consider all that kind of stuff. Okay. So I'm not even looking at that, I'm just looking purely at its historical.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's get to the next on the list, and that okay. is for Candice. Candice, I hope you're watching or listening, however you choose to consume the program. But this is Sandfire Resources. SFR. Let's see what Team Invest has to say.
2: Okay, well Sandfire looks pretty good. So uh, it does pass all our filters. It's not as you mentioned before, we're not big on miners, so we don't go looking for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got one miner we, that we spent a lot of time on, which started off as a mining services company that's now very much a miner, and that's mineral resources. Mm-hmm. So that one we know really well. But that's the only one that I would say Team Invest members uh, were invested in. But Sandfire, uh, at the moment, is at, on a 6 PE, the very, very bottom of its PE range. So it's out of favour in the market, uh, yet it's it sort of passes everything. Return on, return on equity, they've got virtually no debt. And we've got their EPS growth uh, running at a rate of 17% with pretty good stability. Sales are growing about 5%. So that's what that means is they're, what they're earning on the commodities has been going up, So which is, you know, that can change. But at the moment, it's a, they've got a tailwind, you would argue. Um, and we're showing we're turning about 11% on a margin of safety, which is good. By the way, any time we can get 10% on a margin of safety, that is really good in the market. So that's our heavily discounted version of it. So I'd say it's a buy
1: to buy for Samphire Resources. Copper yep. uh, copper is obviously an economic bellwether, and yep. uh, the copper price has been coming off as people discuss recession. However, it's also one of the key commodities in this whole decarbonization push, yeah, sure Francesco. And uh, look, I was reading an article this morning saying that even though you know we're having these energy price problems, uh, mm-hmm. to put it... Uh, um, yeah to say the least and it also comes to the energy crisis here in australia that if anything it, it's it's not slowed you know this whole push toward decarbonization it's um still going at a clip so with all that said samphire
0: um we've actually got a sell on it but i think we've had it on for quite some time so apologies to, to contradict you mark but but makes a market yeah. um I, like look, it. I, I had a look at a consensus because it sort of, you know, because we hadn't had any release on this for a little while. I just wanted to see what the valuations were. So the valuations actually range between $4.80 and $8.00. So there's a pretty broad range of valuations there. And, and, and again, why are there broad range of valuations? Well, you'd have to have a look at what inputs they put into their modelling. Um, you know, normally, if you look at a company that's you a know, large blue chip that's fairly stable, your know, valuations don't really differ a great deal but for these types of companies they can because the commodity prices could be different the capex could be different and those sort of things um, so i i I'd, I'd say it's probably more of a hold now than than, a, than an outright sell um look, it, it, and it is trading slightly slightly above our our valuation but not that much um so i look without sort of denigrating too much I think there might be some lower entry points if we see the market come off a bit more um, but it might be worth watching um, you know over the next couple of weeks and see where that share price goes because I think it's probably getting to a point now where the analyst might of update their their sell recommendations so I, I'll stay with the sell um, but um, um, and that's based on their in, you know some of the parts valuation um, you yeah. know I can only go on what their, mm-hmm. their valuation is. So I'd have to say probably more whole because of the length of time there.
1: All right, well, Macquarie is an outperform, Morgan's an ad, UBS a buy. Credit Suisse is neutral, Morgan Stanley is overweight. Uh, that's a bit of context for you when it comes to Sandfire Candice. So again, do your own research to see if it fits into your portfolio. Now, in Sci-Tech Pivot is another company that uh, we're going to be discussing for Lachlan, saying, is this thematic, still running. So presumably it's about food security, fertilisers and everything else is what he's referring to. Um, In Tech Pivot, Mark?
2: Um, been a bit of a serial underperformer. I, I, I think we have looked at it over the years occasionally. Um, it's right at the bottom of the PE range as well. It's on a PE of nine at the moment on trailing earnings, which is very low. But um, if you look at their, their last 10 years, earnings have been pretty well flat. They, they've jumped up a bit since 2019, so they have they have done well through COVID. These are a major um, fertilizer and explosives mm-hmm. as well, so um, yeah, both areas have got tailwinds. But then you have problems with the inputs, so um, uh, with nitrates and all the rest of it. So uh, I, I, we're showing it uh, returning in a negative four percent a year on a margin of safety. So it's uh, return on equity is only 6.7, uh, which is pretty poor. Uh, but look, it's it's. It's a it's a it's a business, proper business. So it's not like it's losing money. Uh, we just wouldn't it just wouldn't get up.
1: Okay, it, it is planning to split. It's fertilizer and explosives business. Mm-hmm. Uh, would either of those businesses likely become more attractive to you? Well, we would have to
2: look at it at the time. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't we don't think like that. Okay. We're, we're basically pretty lazy, so we look at you know, what's what's really good value that we understand and can deal with now, rather than going well if they do this and that happens and the market thinks this, we just don't do that at all. Uh, it's hard enough, I think, just making a judgement on what you can see rather than what could be.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, get to a view from Ord Francesco, just Stratis. Yeah, the, the answer Lachlan's
0: question, I suppose, is, you know, is the thematic still running? And I think it definitely is still yeah. running. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it comes back to what price do you pay for the company that, you know, is operating within that theme. Um, look, you know, from point of view of fertilisers, obviously, you know, that, that is a positive because uh, food um, and food inflation, and the the demand for uh, fertilisers to, to improve crop production, is is definitely on the rise. Um, and explosives for you know, predominantly the, the mining sector. So so they're they're, they're really in a bit of a sweet spot. But um, obviously you know it it's it's you know share price has performed reasonably well over the last couple of years as well. And um, you know we think it's trading pretty close to its valuation. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they do demerge the two businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, similar to Mark, you have to take a bit of a closer look at how they, how they split those businesses up because obviously you know the, where the revenue is coming from. How the cost can be split up, but then how do they apply the balance sheet is 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 pretty important as and well. And in the
1: short term, the very fact that it's planning to demerge could that cause uncertainty and depress the share um, price at all?
0: Normally, when when a company decides they want to demerge, it, it tends to be looked upon as a positive because. Um, each individual component that demerges becomes a little bit more focused on what businesses they, they, they offer. Um, you know, there are exceptions to the rule there, um, you know, AGL operated slightly differently, but, but most of the time you see, you know, the talk of demerger, the, 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 the market tends to like that, that idea uh, because they can become a bit more focused. So I don't mind that side of it. Uh, but again, I'd like to see how they more or less split up the balance sheet in particular. Um, So we've got a hold on it Um, and I I definitely agree with that recommendation
1: got it. Thank you All right We're at the last on the list and this one is for Olivia. It is Lindsay, Australia LAU is the ticker code so this is a I guess a company that's in one of those areas of the market that again gets a lot of attention if you think about logistics and supply chains you know that theme uh, really emerges in pretty much every conversation we have but it is regional, I believe. It's uh, you know, it, I think it's got trucks and potentially some rail. Does it, Francesco?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Lindsay, I think they operate. They originated out of Coffs Harbour. Okay. Um, you know, Lindsay Trucking. Mm-hmm. Um so? Not too sure. Uh we have got to buy on it. Um, do? We do? Yeah. Look, you look at the metrics on it. They're trading, you know, below ten times earnings. You got it on, uh, Yeah, we've got it on eight point three for this year. Uh, 7.6 for next and 6.9 for the year after. That means that you've got some earnings growth in it. Uh, to me, it looks relatively cheap to the market. It's only a small company too, so you know a lot of people probably um, you know won't go into it because of the size of the company. But then you look at the dividend yield at 5.3% for this year, 100% fully franked, and you know that's quite attractive. And it, it appears that there's some consistency behind that as well um you mentioned you know supply chain issues Mm -hmm. um you know getting freight moved around the country is a bit bit of a challenge at the moment so they're probably being able to charge a bit of a premium at the moment as well so look you know I, i like the business um obviously there's a lot of moving parts to it pardon the pun because you know operating a trucking business and a rail business you know there's a lot of costs in maintenance and so forth um but they've been at it for quite some time, um, and um, you know, it appears that they're, they're, they're doing quite well out of it. So, so yeah, we've got to buy a on recommendation. Again, um, it is in the small cap side of things. It's not a large business, so um, you know, it probably rules some investors out of it, but um, we like it.
1: Okay, you're right. Coffs Harbour is where it originated over 70 years ago. Hmm. Now, it's a, a small cap, so that yes. may go against it in your view. Well, it's, sure. a bit,
2: it's a little bit low, our normal minimum, but that's not uh, That's not a reason not to like the business. Okay. Um, it's, um, what we don't like about it is it's a $120 million market cap at the moment, which, is as you write, is low. They've got 238% debt to equity, so this is a very highly indebted business, and we're going into an environment of higher interest rates. And if you look at their uh, net profit margin, going, we go back to that, it's 0.7 of 1%. So, so I would, that alone would kill it for me. You know, to say, well, they've got a lot of debt, which has to get rolled over or, we say rolled over depending on what their deals are with the bank yeah, yeah. and so on. That would wipe out their profit very easily just with a very small increase in, uh, in funding costs. So debt, debt for us now is even a bigger issue than it normally is because we're going into a higher interest rate environment. So a, company, a company's ability to be able to service it and particularly roll it over when it's due is a real risk issue. So the other thing is the return on equity uh, is 3.4%, which is, like, is woeful. Uh, so it's way below our minimum of 10. And often companies that have a high debt level because they're deploying more capital in the business have a higher return on equity. So they've got all this debt deployed, and yet they still have a very, very low return on equity. Uh, we're showing a return showing returning negative 5% a year going forward. So that's not looking at whether they have earnings growth next year or anything. It's just based on what they're doing if they keep doing it which is our best guess, without doing any work on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is, and avoid. Yep. Got it. All right, guys, hard to believe, but we're at the end of this program. So let me just re- revisit what we've learned. Regis Healthcare, both my guests scratching their head over Regis Healthcare. Why it's not more consistent, and Francesco doesn't like the inconsistency. It's flashing red on three fronts. For Mark at Team Invest, so it's a no-go. Austell, it's a hold for both of my guests. Look, uh, I think part of that for Mark is that it's looking pretty cheap right now, Um, but it's not a buy. Sandfire, it is a buy. It's a buy from Mark Moreland at Team Invest. Again, he thinks that it's looking pretty good value right now. Um, It's a sell house view at Ord Minette. Uh, Look, Francesco will be watching for that updated... Uh, analyst commentary to come on his desk because it's been a while since he's seen anything fresh there. Um, and I'm not saying that you're telling them to do that I'm just saying no, it's uh, no, likely coming. From but sometimes minute.
0: they just don't update because there's nothing new for yeah, them as yeah. well you know if there's something yeah. new you'll see an update if there's nothing new then they probably mm. hold firm but the only thing that changes sometimes is the share price. Yeah. So, you know, if they've got a valuation and the share price has moved, but nothing fundamentally has changed, uh, they may not change their recommendations.
1: Got it. I'm learning a lot about the process for both of these uh, <laughs> these gentlemen. All right, so Inside Tech Pivot is last on the list. Yes, it's a theme. Francesco likes the theme. Mm-hmm. But, uh, look, it's just a hold for him. Uh, there's a the demerger happening. Uh, Mark says, you know, factor that in as an investor until it's done and dusted. But it's a hold because a Well, largely, um, it's been inconsistent in its performance lately. You just heard them talking about Lindsay Australia for Olivia. It's a buy uh, in the small cap space for Francesco and Ordmanette, but it is an avoid for the team, Team Invest. So that was, yeah, great program, guys. So one thing that you've sort of highlighted is quality balance sheet in these, well, trying times for many investors. low debt. And,
2: And pricing power. I think out. that you really got to look at uh, the businesses whether they can transfer inflation uh, inflationary inputs into the back to the consumer.
1: That sounds like it's uh, pretty common sense, isn't it? I mean, we're oh, definitely up-
0: look, look if, you know, if you've got prices, you know, and you start talking monopolistic tendencies. You know, if, if your costs go up, you can just force that onto your customer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look like those sort of things. But um,
1: quality important at this time. Yeah,
0: see this uh, I, I, I like more consistency, uh, earnings consistency. Um, I'm not a, a afraid as of as Mark as a little bit of debt. Um, I think you know some people, some businesses you look at and they're probably under under geared and it affects their sort of growth potential. Um, and look, you know, in this environment, um, you know, with rising interest rates, yes, you've got to be cautious. You know, you, you look at things like property trusts and, and they've got a, 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 a level of gearing that, that affects their, um, um, their, their performances. Um, I, I think, you know, property trusts have gone back to, to normal gearing. You know, if you go back to the GFC, they were ridiculous. Mm. Um, and then you look at the infra- infrastructure and utility stocks that, you know, are really highly geared, um, but they are long-term assets and long-term businesses. Um, I think you'll find a lot of those have actually, during this period of low interest rates, um, instead of rolling forward debt for three to five years, they've been rolling forward for 25 years yep. at very low rates. So there's probably a little bit of um, um, change that's happened in that area. So I'm not as concerned as Mark on that.
1: All right. Well, of... thanks, guys. That was a good program. Really Pleasure. appreciate your time today. Francesco Distratus from Ordmanette, Mark mm-hmm. Moreland from Team Invest. <laughs> we'll see you soon. That's it for today. Uh, any stocks you'd like us to cover flick us and email the call at ozbiz.com.au or you can tweet to us as well at TV. Uh For all of the stocks in the portfolio you can go to ozbiz.co forward slash portfolio. <laughs>